0: Hello everyone, I'm Kevin Moore and you're now listening to The Moore Show. For the next hour, I'll cover subjects of an alternative variety that most shows do not touch. On today's show, I'm joined by Jay Wiedner to discuss his work on 2012. So stay tuned, enjoy, and I'll be right back after this break. Mr. show or a guest? Want to know more about The Moore Show and upcoming guests? Then log on to www themoreshow.co.uk
1: In my shoes If you try walking
0: And here's your host, Kevin Moore. Welcome back to the show. I'm about to be joined with our guest, Jay Weedner, to discuss his work on 2012. Well, just a bit of background on Jay. He's an author and filmmaker. And since 2000, Jay has been the owner of Sacred Mysteries, a video production company. He is currently in production on a new feature film called Secret Landscapes. Besides filmmaking and writing, he specializes in the subject of 2012. And he is here now to discuss this and more. Jay... Welcome to the show.
2: It's good to be here,
0: Jay. Just tell us a bit about yourself, please.
2: Well, let's see. Um, I for, for the show, the, the way I got started in all of this uh, high weirdness is in uh, 1986. I discovered a book at a garage sale called "Mystery of the Cathedrals" by an uh, unknown, enigmatic writer named Fulconelli. And what Fulconelli was saying in the book was that the Gothic cathedrals that were built in Europe from about 1300 to about 1500, 1100 to 1300, were uh, actually uh, alchemy, al, um, the secret of alchemy was engraved into the Gothic cathedrals. And so that got me started in trying to figure out what he was saying, who he was, and what alchemy was. And from that, I went on and wrote a couple of books and started a DVD company and uh, have taken that research now to where I'm looking into the ancient Indian texts, in particular the Puranas, and I'm finding that there is a a, quite an incredible correspondence between alchemy and the science of the ancients and that what what alchemy really is is it's a hyper it's an understanding of of hyperdimensional nature uh we, we live in three dimensions but uh scientists have proven that there's many other dimensions and when you begin to understand the other dimensions and how they interact with our dimensions then you can figure out how to control the third dimension and when you control the third dimension or aspects of the third dimension then you can make reality literally make reality and that's what turning lead into gold which may or may not be true but what it meant was that if you can turn lead into gold That you've achieved a great work, which is mastering this universe. And that they mean the three-dimensional universe. And so if you look at, at Indian lore, they tell you that you really can't get off this planet until you've accomplished a certain amount of, uh, of understanding about this world. And I think that's what they're saying. They're saying that you, until you master alchemy, which is really mastering reality, you can't get out of here. It's like some kind of cosmic school or something. And uh, the final test is, are you able to change lead into gold? Are you able to change uh, physical matter into spirit? Are you willing to change Can you change from endarkenment to enlightenment? And these are the the aspects of of the quest that uh, all humans are on, but most humans don't know that they're on it because 90% of the quest is the realization that you're even on a quest. And when you realize that you actually are here for a purpose, then the science of alchemy, metaphysics, uh, these kinds of things become very, very important. And so I guess I'm a spokesperson for this ancient tradition and I'm trying to revive it in every way I can.
0: And how does this tie into your work of um, 2012?
2: Well, the cyclic cross of Henday is a, a strange cross that is in the south of France and the second to the last chapter in Mystery of the Cathedrals by Fulconelli is about the cyclic cross of Hende. And he doesn't really decipher it for you very much. He wants the reader to attempt to decipher it. And since no one had really ever gone after the cross of Hende and deciphered it, I decided to make it a project, and I spent uh, 15 years deciphering the cyclic cross of hyundai and publishing books and uh... the cyclic cross of hyundai is saying that this age uh... not not, not the world but this age is coming to an end and that it's coming and, and and it invites you to try to figure out when this is going to happen and through a very complicated series of of astronomical events uh, using the symbolism of the Cross of Henday. Um, and you can go to my site, jwidener.com, and read some of the articles and see the pictures of the Cross of Henday. And probably should pick up the book, Mysteries of the Great Cross of Henday, and read it if you want to know more about this. It is pointing towards a 20-year time period from 1992 to 2012 and it is saying that this is the season of the apocalypse. And it ends in 2012 with the great alignment of the center of the galaxy with the sun, which if you look at the construct of the cross of Hende, you can see there's a pedestal and then a column and then a cross at the top. Well, in the symbolic uh, interpretation of the cross, the uh, cross at the top is the galaxy, the center of the galaxy, the, the uh, pedestal is the Earth or from the Earth's point of view with the Sun being in front, which it is, on the hand the angry Sun, I might add, uh, looking very much like a Mayan Sun, uh, the same kind of artistic motif that the Mayans used, and uh, the column is the link or the lining up of the two. And so we can see that uh, when we look in astronomical software, that every 13,000 years there's a lineup of the center of the galaxy and the sun on a solstice. In 13,000 years, the galaxy will line up with the sun on the summer solstice on June 21st, uh, and right now it's lining up on the winter solstice. And this is marking seasons seasons of the galaxy. Each season being approximately 6,500 years long, there's four of them, and it makes 26,000 years, which is one giant great year, or the time that it takes the Earth to go through one precession of the equinoxes. This is also what the Mayans are saying, and the Mayan magic number of 260 is a harmonic of the larger 26,000. And uh, we know the Mayans say that they chose the magic number of 260 because it's the number of days that a it takes for a child to reach gestation uh in the womb, nine months. And so we could say that we are reaching kind of a planetary gestation and a new human. This is what the Inca have told us in our film Time Wave 2013, and 2012, The Odyssey, those two films, The Inca, tell us that a new human is emerging, homo-luminous, or the man of light, or the person of light, and that that corresponds pretty close to the timelines of the 26,000-year period. 6,500 years ago, we were in the age of Taurus, which is a bull, and that's when we started domesticating cattle and building walled cities and creating agriculture and war and and slavery and, and all the things that have occurred in the last 6,500 years began then at the turn of the clock, one-quarter turn of the great clock then, 13,000 years ago, or half of the procession ago, uh, the last time there was a great galactic alignment, uh, we lost hundreds of species, thousands of species, uh, giant trees lost saber-toothed tigers, uh, uh, woolly mammoths, um, all, all sorts of animals went extinct for unknown purposes. We also know that there was a gigantic forest fire in North America uh, where something ignited the forest and uh, burned a two to three feet of ash. So, and, and not just a small area, but, I mean, all of... The uh, northeast United States and almost all of eastern Canada uh, burned in this forest fire and may have thrown enough soot up in the air to cause a minor ice age also. In fact, ice ages may very well be caused by this. And the Cross of Hende is explicitly saying that there's going to be coronal mass ejections at the end of the age. Now, is is this caused by the alignment, or is the alignment of the galaxy just a, like a, a clock? And we don't know. But we know this, that the Sun um, has a very peculiar electromagnetic field, and that this electromagnetic field, uh, because of uh, uh, angular momentum of the planets, this, this, the sun's electromagnetic field is crossing itself and it's beginning to block and what that means is that the it's becoming constricted and we know in the last few years the sunspots disappeared and the electromagnetic field of the sun began constricting the earth's magnetic field corresponds to the sun's magnetic field and it also has begun began uh, uh, constricting and uh, the next step would be then that there would be an increase in earthquake activities as the electromagnetic field of the earth became skewed and the core of the earth began to become unstable and so years and years ago when i was finishing up the research I said to myself, well, if by 2010 we're getting a lot of big earthquakes in unusual places, I'm going to get worried. And lo and behold, we had the earthquake in Haiti, which is not an earthquake zone. We had the huge mammoth earthquake in Chile. We just had a recent earthquake in Baja, California, and uh, it does look like earthquake activity is increasing. Uh, we're also getting increased solar flare activity and so at this point i mean I, i'm not trying to panic anyone i'm just saying that we're watching and, and, and seeing what happens but it does look like there's going to be some fairly large earth changes coming and uh, so and so it's something to be concerned about
0: so we're talking here of um, perhaps a solar flare in 2012 is that is that what you're saying
2: i think it could happen yeah i really do uh the cross of henday has an angry sun face in which it's showing that the flaring is going to reach out and strike the inner four planets of the solar system. Uh, And from the evidence that we've seen, that's what happened the last time. We know this also because the rocks that were taken from the moon um, show a massive scorching of the moon 13,000 years ago. So this is not, you know, conjecture. This is pretty much solid science. And at the very least... um, uh, in 1849, I think, it or 1839—I don't have the date right—a a massive solar flare struck the Earth. Then now, it didn't cause fires, but what it did was, it, 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 of course, we didn't have electricity then, outside of telegraphs, and it did fry the telegraphs, the telegraph wires. And so, if uh, uh, this—even a minor flare like that should happen—is going to create an electromagnetic pulse. And this is going to knock out all of the electricity on Earth in a split second. And we're going to be, we're going to go from the 21st century to 6th century B.C. in the, uh, you know, snapping of your fingers. And so, uh, and this is a given, by the way. Scientists tell you that it's only a matter of time before the uh, sun produces a flare big enough to create an electromagnetic pulse, and it will knock out everything, and it ain't coming back. I mean, it all has to be rebuilt. And when you don't have electricity, how are you going to rebuild it? Uh, so uh, the, this is all part of the prophecies from the Mayans and the Incans and the Tibetans and the alchemists of Europe, and even the Christians with Revelation, And uh, a lot of other folks, the Cherokee Indians of North America have the same prophecy. The Ojibwe in Canada have the same prophecy. So we're seeing the play out of this prophecy uh, and these prophecies, of which the Masons, the Freemasons, also are holding this prophecy and trying to pass down the information successfully from one generation to another. So... Uh, you know walks like a duck, talks like a duck uh, it 's a duck and uh, so i 'm not trying to scare people in fact i I personally think it 's a great moment, and that uh, uh, it's it 's a chance this 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 thing is a chance for us to um, uh, remake ourselves because what we 've been doing isn 't working, and we 're falling into materialism and away from spirit and that in itself is a catastrophe, sure. and it's occurring even at a faster rate than I could have ever believed 10 or 15 years ago, and uh, so we need a jolt. We're going to get a jolt. It's going to knock us down, and, but it's not going to knock us out, and we're going we're to recover from it, and we're going to build a better world based on the knowledge of the mistakes that we made in sure. the past.
0: So, let's just, going back to December the 21st, 2012, I mean, you've mentioned the Mayans a few times there. I mean, this was the end of the Mayan calendar. Um, How did the Mayans, you know, uh, get the calendar? Was it by just watching the stars, or, you know, was there some other sort of interaction there?
2: Well, no, actually, I don't believe that. I'm sure that the scholars believe that, that they just did it by watching the stars. Uh, if you look at the Mayan language, you have words like Pokalvotan, and the word Maya, and, uh, 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 Palenque. Well, these, if you, if you, if you trace, if you back engineer the etymology of these words, um, you discover that they're actually Indo. They're, they're, they're from India, these words. That these are common words in India. Maya means illusion, for instance in uh, in India. Bhutan means volcano in, in, in ancient Sanskrit. And so what we have here is, uh, and also uh, German, English, uh, the Scandinavian languages are all Indo-European. And so uh, using the work of uh, the great British historian L. A. A. Waddell, which I highly recommend everybody read especially his uh, great book uh, about uh, civilization and race in history, you'll see that he proves that the Aryans uh, were the first people to create civilization on Earth. And, in fact, they created every civilization on Earth, and starting in Samaria and then moving to India. And then out of India, they moved to Europe. And uh, Scandinavia, and he compares the Nordic myths, the Eddas, the Finnish myths, with the King Arthur myths of of Britain, and creates a tapestry which is very difficult to argue with. Now, what's interesting about L. A. Waddell is that he was writing in the twenties, and his books are completely suppressed, which is why I read them. That's how I find things out. I read what is suppressed, and then I find out the truth. So I thought maybe he was a wacky historian, and that's why he was suppressed. But when I read the books uh, from him, he's from Cambridge, I realized that this guy was a singular intelligence, and that the reason he's not being taught in universities anymore is not because he's wacky or he's wrong. It's because they don't want this information out. And this is also why the Americans allowed the Baghdad Museum all the cuneiform tablets to be stolen uh, out of there. Uh, I don't even believe they were stolen by the locals. I think we stole them. And we and they're not appearing on the market. If 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 private citizens in Iraq had broken into the Baghdad Museum and stole all the cuneiform tablets as we have been told, then they would be showing up on the black market for rich people to buy and they're not they're not showing up at all they don't want us to know our history because uh, it is a much different history than we've been led to believe and waddell has traced this history down and has it pretty much aced in the hole so the aryans are the creators of civilization they were the creators of india uh and uh and there's a pattern a historical pattern of the aryans beginning a civilization uh and then it falling apart after the aryans uh, are no longer in control of it and the uh tolkien uh jrr tolkien got into the oxford library uh and read the uh manuscripts that were there that only he could read cuz only he could read the languages these ancient languages And he got in there and read uh, these uh, ancient manuscripts and based all of the Lord of the Rings on what he had read in those manuscripts, again, based on Nordic and Finnish uh, um, uh, myths. And the uh, Aryans in in Lord of the Rings are the elves. They're tall, they're blonde, they're white-skinned, and they have magical powers, and uh, they're leaving. And they've left progeny behind that has Aryan blood in it, i.e., Aragorn, who becomes the king. And uh, so that the the bloodline of the Aryans can continue when they leave. And um, that is the central myth, in fact, of all over the Earth. There's a central myth. There's three central myths in the world. The one central myth is that there was once a garden, the great garden that we lived in and that we were expelled from. The second myth that's worldwide is that there was once a great flood of which just a few people survived. And the third myth that's all over the world is that there's a race of gods who had sex with earth women and created demigods. There's a movie out right now, uh, Percy, I can't remember now, Percy... Jackson and the Gods or something, a Hollywood film, about how this kid, Percy Jackson, is really the uh, son of a god and, and, a, and an earth woman. Okay. And this is, yeah, and Andrew Collins, the great uh, uh, British uh, researcher, wrote a book from The Ashes of Angels, in which he goes back into the Book of Enoch, and shows that the children that were born of this relationship between these uh, Aryans and Earth women had white skin, white or blonde hair, blue eyes, they were tall, um, and they were extremely smart. And uh, some tribes killed them, and some tribes didn't. And I'm not saying that white people are Aryans, and white people are the bastard children of the Aryans and the Earth people. And the Aryans are human they They left the Earth to get away from this coronal mass ejection thousands of years ago, and went to Mars and hid out on Mars until the Earth recovered. This is all in the ancient Indian texts, and they came back from Mars on giant arcs and they settled here about fifty thousand years ago. They stayed away from Earth people for the most part, according to these texts, but they did teach them how to farm and how to reading and writing and respect for women and all these other things that Graham Hancock has written about in Fingerprints of the Gods. But until 6,000 years ago, they did not really have any interactions with humans, and so they uh, finally emerged about 6,000 years ago because they knew that they only had 6,000 years left to get out of here um, uh, before the next coronal mass ejections came. Uh, and that's the beginning of what the uh, Hindus call the Iron Age, which is also the Aryan Age, because both Aryan and iron come from the same root word. Now, the reason that I think that they're from Mars, the Aryans, is because Aries is the Greek word for Mars and the Sanskrit word for Mars. And 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 Aryan means they who come from Aries, so the the uh, um, the uh, Scandinavians have these myths that they actually come from Mars originally, and uh and uh, one of the code words that they use for describing what they're doing in the ancient myths is they say they're leaving for the West, which is why Tolkien puts that in Lord of the Rings, the Elves are leaving for the West, and that means that they're going back to Mars. And that's what this UFO activity has been for the last 50 or 60 years, and this is what the Nazis are really up to. And just read all the books by Joseph Farrell, great uh, Oxford-educated researcher who's really nailed this thing down, and uh, go uh, Google in Hale Crater Civilization, uh... on the web and look up joseph skipper's great work on the colony on mars it's in hail crater it's h-a-l-e Hale crater on mars and you can see there's a pattern and the pattern is uh... coming into focus more and more and so years and years ago when i first looked at the cross of hyundai i would have never thought that would lead me to this but um, through my work with Richard Hoagland and Joseph Farrell, um, I've had to reach the damning conclusion that there's a breakaway civilization on Earth that understands hyperdimensional science, uh uh alchemy and uh they're uh not really part of us. They they exist here with us, but they've never really been part of us. And uh this is where the vampire myths come from because the Aryans, or as they call themselves, the Vril, they can't take the bright sunshine of the Earth. They spent too long on Mars. They lost the pigment in their skin. They lost their dark skin. They lost their dark eyes. They lost their dark hair, and um, and they can't. They can only come out at night. And the vampire myths are about a chalk-white-skinned people who come out from underground only at night, and that's where this all comes from. And once you start putting this together it becomes mind-boggling the the Hopi Indians talk about the ant people who live underground and come out of the caves at night and that they're the secret rulers of the planet and um, in Spielberg's War of the Worlds the Martians didn't come from Mars, they came from underground Uh, if you watch the movie very carefully you'll see they didn't come in spaceships, they were here all the time and so uh, this general mythos is prevalent in our society and culture, and I just think it's time to get it all out now as we approach the end of time. By the way, I just want to clear this up. I am not saying that what they think is true. I'm only telling you what they think. I think it's a big difference.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily. I'm
2: not. necessarily am not i am not saying that there's going to be coronal mass ejections, that there really are Aryans, that there really are all these things. The evidence points to that, however, and and um, I think in that light we can understand that you know the Nazis were actually working for the Aryans, and that their intention was not to win the war their intention was to create incredible vast amounts of technologies that would allow us to construct the ships for them to escape and that's why from nineteen twenty nine to nineteen forty five the german scientists were invented radar sonar lasers atomic weapons uh... television uh... the list just goes on and on it's the most astounding uh, uh, 16 years in human history, and they're not given any credit for it, which, again, raises a red flag with me. Why aren't the German scientists given credit for all these inventions? Why do they act as if they were invented by someone else at later times, like lasers? And the answer is because it's a concerted effort to cover up the bare facts that there is a group of people ruling our world from an invisible place. And, when I, and I don't want people to think that the New World Order is the Aryans. The New World Order are the Aryans' managers. Uh, that's all they are. And so this whole thing is breaking, and I'm not alone here. There's about 10 or 12 different researchers that are racing down this trail, and it's all going to break loose, I believe, before the end of this
0: summer, actually. Jay, we're going to take a break there, so please stay tuned, and we'll be right back. To connect with the show, email kevin at themoreshow.co.uk.
3: Set me right Now it seems there's nothing Nowadays nobody thinks about it. A way to ease the suffering Baby I know You're the first thing I believe in honestly How do you grow But you can't see Well it's a blessing of-
0: Here's your host, Kevin Moore. Okay, welcome back to the show. I'm currently joined here with our guest, Jay Wiedner. Um Jay, welcome back. Good to be back. Just one quick question before we move on. Um, regarding the alignment of the planets, just go a- over again, what alignment's taking place on 2012, just briefly?
2: Well, the uh, centre of the galaxy is lining up with the sun and the Earth in a straight line, at eleven eleven Universal Standard Time, which is British time, uh, on December twenty first, twenty twelve, and uh, this is a once every thirteen thousand year event, and it's happening right now, or it will be.
0: Okay. Okay, and um, you know what's the long term plan then? I mean, obviously governments have been looking into the situation of twenty twelve. Um, what do you think their plans may be?
2: Uh, well, I, they, they plan the the very top people, if I can call them that, uh, on the uh, the elites. They're uh, they're doing what I call Project Good, and Good stands for Get Out of Dodge and uh... they're leaving uh... the planet uh... they've probably already left the planet and uh... they're moving underground on mars to wait it out the managers that they've left behind whom we refer to as the new world order they've been promised uh... seats in underground bases that have been built all over the world over the last twenty twenty five years and uh, so they think they're going to survive in the underground bases. The super elite aren't going to even take that chance. They're getting as far away from the sun as they can. And uh, what will happen is anybody's guess. I would not want to be underground if a coronal mass ejection of a super kind hit because I would believe it would probably suck all the oxygen up. I I don't know, I've never been through a coronal mass ejection, but I can imagine uh, a lot of fire and uh, oxygen being sucked up rather quickly from the fire and people all suffocating. Now they may have life support systems down there, I don't know, they probably do, but how the life support system can support that many people is a dubious question at best.
0: So when we talk about coronal mass ejection, we're talking solar flare, and wouldn't that solar flare just hit the one side of the Earth, obviously, that's exposed at the time?
2: Well, that's a very good question. That's exactly right. And Volcanelli, in his book, Mystery of the Cathedrals, when he talks about the cyclic cross of Hende at the end of that book, he tells us that it's going to strike the northern hemisphere. So that tells me that it's going to be in the summer, uh, our summer, um, when the coronal mass ejections hit, because that 's what side is tilted towards the sun at the time, now, the last time it happened, it hit North America and did not hit Europe uh, uh, oh it did hit parts of Siberia, but it did not hit europe so um yeah, you 're right, there is one side that is protected depending on how many flares there are, of course, and one side that's going to get hit and that 's all a gamble as to what is going to happen. But I want to reiterate one thing. There's no doubt this is going to happen. Whether it happens in 2012 or 2020 or 3030, that's anybody's guess. But it is going to happen. There's no doubt that the sun uh, reaches moments of high instability and creates gigantic solar flares, which at the very least will knock out all the electronics on Earth at the worst, will cause gigantic forest fires, throwing soot up into the upper atmosphere, blocking out the sun no matter where you are, plus knocking off all the electronics and electricity. So if the people in the underground uh, are using electricity for their life support systems, they're going to be in for a very, very serious shock. And it's going to be very dark and very cold under there when the electricity goes out. So there's no doubt about this. This is a this is a given. Scientists know this is going to happen. We built our entire uh, culture and society on the most fragile of notions, uh, without ever realizing uh, how we are under the uh, uh, under the umbrella of larger outside forces, which will wipe us out if not you know, physically, than at least our infrastructure.
0: So not very date-specific, really. It could be 2012, it it could be, you know, 2020, but you believe it started it could be now? Tomorrow.
2: Yeah, it could be in five minutes. Um, we don't know, but it, we just know that it's going to happen. Now, the Mayans say that this is the end of the fourth sun and the beginning of the fifth sun. The cross of Henday says that the sun's face is going to turn angry. Uh, So, And we have other, the Inca say that it's going to be the birth of a new sun. So I think the sun goes through a 13,000 year cycle, a natural cycle, nothing unusual about it, uh, in which it throws off the constriction. And I'd like to talk about that for a second. What's going on here is that the sun rotates every 37 Earth days, okay? But what happens is, is that because of the angular momentum of the planets at the equator, the uh, equator of the sun is slowed down, or I mean sped up, and it rotates at 26 days. So what happens is you have a, a difference between the 26 days at the equator and the 37 normal days at the poles and this causes an electromagnetic constriction which every time every eighty seven days the thirty seven crosses over the twenty six and causes an electromagnetic constriction it takes about thirteen thousand years for this constriction to grow to the point where the sun is energy is completely suppressed now what would happen here is that it's sort of like a, a, a pan on the stove with a lid on. The lid is the constriction. If you put water or oil in the pan and turn it all the way up and put a lid on and then bolt the lid down, what's going to happen is, is that you're going to at first get excessive heat because of the constriction. It's going to get really, really hot because there's no place for the heat to escape. And then eventually, no matter how much you hold down that lid, it's going to blow. It's going to blow off, and when it blows off, there's going to be these massive solar flares, and then there's going to be a rapid cooling. 13,000 years ago, we went through a rapid heating and then a rapid cooling in as little as 20 days. It went from excessively hot in the Arctic to absolutely frozen. And that's why the woolly mammoths were trapped in the ice with the, uh, straw and grass still in their mouths and in their bellies because the freezing happened really rapid. So there is a gradual heating up which takes maybe a few years. And we begin, or the earth begins to seem as if it's going through a warming, a global warming. But then the constriction disappears in a mighty explosion. We do get hit with these flares, which also contribute to the cooling because the burning forests and fields um, throw soot up into the air, which causes a nuclear-type winter, which Carl Sagan would call. And... um, and the hopi and several native american tribes the ojibwa from canada they speak of a time when they had to go to caves because it was so hot and they would stick limbs out of the mouth of the cave and they would catch on fire and these are these are myths on the other side of the earth there's myths of a great flood and what this may be is the concussion from the solar flares, striking the oceans, the Atlantic Ocean or Pacific Ocean, and causing huge tidal waves to flow in on the side that does not get hit by the solar flares.
0: Right, okay. What choices can we make for 2012, then, personally?
2: Well, you know, I I, 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 I don't really want to talk about I really don't think that all these earth changes and the things that are going on are really worth thinking about. It's like thinking about your own death. What's the point of it? Uh, you may die in a car accident next week, so what, are you not supposed to live your life now? And so the point that I'm trying to say is, yes, these things are real. And they may happen tomorrow, they may happen tw- ten years from now, they may happen a thousand years from now. We don't know. We know that they are one day going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to survive. And so what I, and, and I don't think there's any doubt that despite whatever goes on with the sun and with earth changes we're going through a cultural and spiritual uh reformation or renaissance right now um which is brought on because the central operating principle of civilization ha- is disappearing and that would be the aryans creating civilization to create the technology to make the ships that they're using to get out of dodge. So the central, and Obama knows this, and and Brown knows this, and the U.N. knows this. They know the central operating principle of the world's economy is disappearing. We're not going to have jobs come back. We're not going to have industry come back. There's no need for it. The natural condition of the human state is a semi-rural most hunter-gatherer type of existence. That's how human beings lived for hundreds of thousands of years before the Aryan intervention, uh, of which L.A. Waddell talks so uh, well about. So um, I'm saying that we need to, to do two things. One thing we need to do is we need to take care of ourselves and our families and our friends in a physical way, which is, Get to a place where you've got water. Get to a place where you can grow your own food. Get to a place where you can have a community and people who support you. And secondly, um, take care of yourself spiritually, which is um, find some kind of practice to hold your center while we're drifting into these times of utter chaos. You know, learn to meditate. Take, Do yoga. Do Tai Chi or Qi Gong, or walk in the woods, or whatever it is. You know, make love to your your lover, whatever it takes to keep yourself centered in these times of of, of growing chaos. And we can, we will find a new order ourselves. We don't need to be told from the top down what the order is of the future. We're going to make it, not them. And they're trying to centralize society completely. Uh, because they know that the central organizing principle is missing, and so they're trying to create a quasi-socialist world state in order to make sure that we don't get out of hand. But we don't really want to get out of hand or have a revolution because that will just play into the, into the hands of the people who are perpetuating this, this madness. What we want to do is decentralize, take care of our own, uh, stay connected through the internet, um, and And build a world that is based on globalized principles of brotherhood and getting along, but localized food production and uh, taking care of each other and ourselves and The interesting thing about this is that only the people that do this are going to thrive and survive. Everybody else is going to face a world of hurt and I think that you know that 's really my main mission here is to to, to speak out to the few who will become self-selected, they will choose themselves to become the uh, the purveyors of this future world. As for the uh, Aryans and, and leaving and uh, leaving behind a world of chaos, a, a a planet that's been destroyed by their civilizations, I say good riddance to them. And uh, and you can go and and stay on Mars if you like it there. And, uh, we're gonna try to build a world here free of this kind of, uh, mental slavery that we've been under for about 6,000 years since Sargon the Aryan conquered Mesopotamia and later India. So, you know, this is the world that we face and it's just time to get real and, and face it and to quit living in the fantasies of, uh, media concocted, uh, uh, nightmares, really, uh, uh, that they've done to us via television and their and show business and these other things, and we need to. Forget their world. It's not going to work. And they may not even be awa- as aware of what's going on as we are, which means we have the advantage, and we need to take advantage of that advantage and, uh, and hope that they uh, uh, have underestimated us and our ability. And also I want to say that with this um, lack of constriction on the sun, the electromagnetic fields are dropping, and so we're changing, and our mental... And spiritual capacities are growing because the constrictive layers that surround us are disappearing. And and that's what you see going on is this kind of worldwide awakening, and we're all going to wake up at once. One of my great slogans is, you're not going crazy, you're just waking up.
0: You know, that's what I was going to ask you as well. I mean, w- what about a conscious shift in a sense of what you were just describing there? I mean, would you be surprised if 2012 came and went and it was a more of a conscious shift uh, in people's awakening of, of the world around them uh, than a sort of, you know, tough ride to go through in, in a sense?
2: Well, I think that they go together. I hate to say that, but, you know, we, we sit around and we, and we live our lives and... Um, And and then somehow a crisis appears. and A lot of people have a crisis and they will fall into depression. But there's a certain group of people who will use a crisis, a divorce or a death in the family or losing your job or whatever, a minor crisis possibly, and they will use it to make themselves better. It pulls them out of the doldrums. And I think that the crisis, whether it's just an economic crisis or an earth changes crisis, Whatever the crisis is, 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 is an impetus for us to get moving. And when we get moving, we will enlarge our perception because we need to know more to make right decisions. That will cause the shift in consciousness. And so they all work together. It's all a, a huge holistic kind of Endeavor that we're going on, and you can see it happening already here in the states. People are are building gardens like crazy. There's community gardens going in. People are are beginning to raise their own food, and the cities are the cities aren't emptying, but the people who are hip to what's happening are leaving the cities, and so uh, it's a self-selecting process, and. It's, 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 it's how evolution, at least spiritual evolution works. Those who are aware of what is going on take precautions and survive. Those who are not aware, i.e. unconscious as opposed to conscious, do not know what's going on, do not take precautions, and they fail. So we are guaranteed to succeed as long as we take action as soon as possible. And I think that's really the whole point of 2012. It is a consciousness shift. It's a consciousness shift brought on by earth changes and a crisis. And I think that we have to look at it that way and embrace the crisis and and move into it. Do not fear the beast because the beast is only snorting and growling to try to scare us. In the end, we are more powerful than the beast.
0: Well said. And um, tell me about your websites, and how can people sort of find out more about your work?
2: Well, then go to my website, uh, sacredmysteries.com, which is where we sell our films. Uh, we have a film, new film called Infinity, The Ultimate Trip, Journey Beyond Death, which is about how not to fear death, because there is no such thing as death. And we interview the top experts in in, in Infinity, Neil Donald Walsh and Brian Weiss and Danyan Brinkley and Ponla Primposhe and many, many others. Um, and, of course, we have our two 2012 films, 2012 The Odyssey and Time Wave 2013, which is about what we are talking about right now. Also, my film Secrets of Alchemy, which is about the earth changes and about the cross of Hyundai we have the alchemical dream with terence mckenna and also you can go to my own site com. that's j-a-y-w-e-i-d-n-e-r and you can read all my articles uh... that are up for free on stanley kubrick and and the earth changes and the cross of henday and the arians and mars and and a lot of other things that are up there so um also we are putting up Uh, about two hundred and fifty hours right now it's costing my company a fortune to do it but we're putting up uh, about two hundred fifty hours of free video up on youtube uh... for the whole world to have for free uh because of the lateness of this crisis and we thought that we had better get some stuff up for people who maybe can't afford the twenty dollars or whatever for the dvds and uh so what we need to do is we need to spend all of our energies fomenting a upwelling which will create the successful change in consciousness and defeat the purveyors of darkness and fear which is really the goal i think right now yeah so we know we're going to die but are we really going to die yeah we know the earth is going to go through big changes eventually but does that really mean anything for us right here right now and the answer is probably not so let's take care of business let's take care of ourselves and we will become the new leaders that's really what i think is going on uh, years and years ago terence mckenna who is a friend of mine, the great Terrence McKenna, said to me, Jay, one day they're going to come to you for answers. And I burst out laughing because I couldn't believe it. And, in fact, he turned out to be true. The, the, the leaders of this world do not have the answers. They're just greedy people that seek power. They do not have the perception that the people listening to this show have. We are on top because we're the ones who can perceive the future and do something about it. They are only acting like they have power. They have no power, and it's time to strip them of their power in a peaceful way by boycotting their crappy food, boycotting their wars, boycotting their uh, corrupt society, and making a parallel world exists right alongside their world and by example people will see that the world that we're creating is the world that they want to emulate not the world of politicians warmongers and the rest
0: well jay thank you so much for your time today
2: hey thank you so much for having me on i really appreciate it
0: to find out more about jay go to www.jayweedner.com dot com. Well, from myself and all my guests, until next time, be safe.